playing chess with the fish, drinking mocktails with the lobsters. Once I throw the last lever, we'll have seven seconds to get out. We don't want to be in here when it's resetting because, well, we'd die. So, Adam, Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. Yeah, it's been a it's been a uh, a minute. Yeah, we we're eleven days into the new year, so we're kind of late on the Happy New Year. But this is the first time that we've uh, podcasted since the holiday break. Yeah, and honestly, it's the first time that we've talked in person as well. Oh yeah, it's true. We weren't even nice enough to send each other Christmas gifts this year. <laughs> for... <laughs> oh man, dang! This is like the first year that both of us let it slip. I'm sorry. We, I know. Like I was thinking about that because you know, especially for those listeners that have discovered us more recently and you know we we've heard from listeners where they're like hey we just discovered you and we blew through all your episodes so you've heard that in past years we bought each other christmas gifts but i think this is a sign of like a relationship that's just getting kind of old you know and you stop caring you just don't the gifts stop coming you know we've just known each other too long it's it's gotten comfortable not old it's gotten comfortable that's that's what happens in these relationships Aaron. you get comfortable I actually did a road trip over the holidays to visit my wife's family, and she requested to listen to episodes of Bad Wolf Radio. Oh my goodness! On our road trip, and so that's I, that's incredible. I listened back, and I, I was trying to remember what the reason for whatever episode I listened to. I think we were, it might have just been random, but in one of those episodes, we were talking about what Christmas gifts we got each other. <laughs> and that's what made me think about it. I'm like, oh yeah, we used to get each other Christmas gifts. Yeah, like, yeah. I I have I have one on my desk. I have a couple uh, behind me. Yep, I'm looking at one as well. Little, little War Doctor Funko Pop. Yep, see yep. over there. Yeah, but well, maybe we'll have to revive that tradition for uh, for future years. We'll do a gift exchange since there's only two of us, so we know who's getting the other one. But right, exactly. I mean, the the next holiday coming up. It is Valentine's Day, Aaron. <laughs> well, that is true. <laughs> My birthday is right before that, so we can celebrate that instead. Oh, okay, okay. But I see. I see. I did get a Doctor Who. Well, no, I I got a I got a Christmas gift uh, that was pretty cool, unique thing, which now allowed me to get a Doctor Who thing. Um, so I got a VR headset for Christmas. Oh, wow. And my and you know, this is something I typically probably wouldn't have spent my money on, but my son really wanted to get me one, and so he saved saved up his money uh, throughout the year with a little bit of help from my wife. Uh, they were able to get the the uh, Quest Two, I think. Okay. okay. And and there's a VR Doctor Who game, and we've we've talked about. Oh, wonder what it's like. So now I I own it. I can play it. Wow. How so, what, so two things. Number one awesome job by your son like honestly that is that is always incredibly sweet when a kid does something like that so props to him um and i, I guess props to you both uh, you and your wife for being uh raising him that way and number two how is the game so i can't answer that question yet because i haven't oh. had a chance to play it okay okay i did purchase it uh i was looking through the library of games i saw that and i was like oh yeah like i've always wondered what that game's like so I'm excited to try it. I will say this for the VR headset. I've never been much of a VR person. Yeah. I've tried kind of the cheaper versions of VR. Uh, the only really cool VR experience I've ever had is like when you go to one of those like standalone, you know, VR attractions. 
right, right. Uh, where it's like they you know hundreds of dollars worth of equipment that they're putting on your head um, or probably thousands of dollars worth of equipment in some of these places where you have like the blaster and you have the, the, the whole thing um, which those have been cool but the other one other things I tried and never kind of lived up to that so I will say with this I, I tried out a uh, Star Wars game okay and it was pretty pretty darn good. Uh, I mean, they got they got a ways to go, maybe in like overall game story, but as just far as the mechanics and like the immersion, I was pretty impressed. Uh, it's kind of addictive, <laughs> and so I'm trying not to spend too much time doing it. Uh, but yeah, I, I did download the Doctor Who game. I'm excited to try it. I will say that the trailer, because I rewatched the trailer, and they talk that there's a lot of puzzles. In it, yeah, which I'm yeah. not a puzzle guy when it comes to gaming. I don't like to figure things out. I just want to play the game. Okay, so that might frustrate me. So I'm hoping that there's like a setting where I can like make the puzzles all really easy. <laughs> <laughs> story mode. Yes, story <laughs> mode. Hopefully they have that. But yeah, I will. I will spend some time playing that between now and the next special or the next time we record the podcast, and then maybe we can. I'll do maybe a quick little review of what I. Th- think about the the doctor who vr game nice nice so pretty excited but um yeah today we we wanted to get together and talk about the new year's special which now is you know it's been a bit since the new year's but this is our first opportunity to kind of find the time to get together and talk about it and we also know that you know the next special is probably not for at least a few months yeah we have a little bit of time so we decided to to take a bit of a break since we were doing weekly episodes there for a bit. Yeah, this this works out well. I I mean, I explained to you, I ran into some issues even getting the episode. Um, thankfully, I was able to get my episode, sit down, watch it, enjoy it. But yeah, as far as the next special, the, the date that I've been seeing is the 17th of April. Um, so we have we have a decent amount of time before we need to worry about what comes next. Yeah, we might have to find couple filler topics well we did say we might do a season recap so let's put that on our radar but but yeah we'll, we'll figure out what we're doing between now and then but uh yeah this one was i didn't get to watch it right away i had uh you know like i said i was traveling i actually was traveling on new year's eve and new year's day i was on the road so it wasn't until oh, wow. later that i was able to catch the episode trying to avoid spoilers although i don't i wouldn't I don't think there really was a lot that happened in the episode that could have really spoiled me. Um, yeah. I, major I, events. Right. I was pretty surprised that the amount of time that elapsed between it airing and my finally being able to get to watch it, there there really was not much that I had to avoid. Truth be told, though, I now that I'm saying that out loud, I do have quite a few Doctor Who things muted on Twitter um, to avoid other spoilers from from the flux story arc. So maybe that's why I didn't see much of anything about this episode on, on Twitter. Yeah, probably you've done your due diligence of, of muting. Yeah. Um, Wow. I wonder if we'll get a doctor. I know that I'm kind of going off topic here, but it just popped into my head. Uh, I wonder if we'll get a doctor announcement as far as the next actor before the next special. Yeah, I feel like we would. Yeah, typically we we have, and it, I'm I'm missing it. It might have even been on in our Facebook group, but there was an article posted about how the Doctor reveals have really become 
events in yeah. and of themselves. Um, so it does seem that we would have something like that come up ahead of time, another event for us to uh, partake in. We'll have to we'll have to see, maybe look back historically, like when the, the announcement was made in relation to the last episode, the last planned episode of a doctor. You know, because I'm sure they don't want to necessarily take away from right, right, from her. You know, and kind of the hoopla around kind of her finishing the show, but they're not going to wait until you know we're not going to be surprised by it when it pops up on screen. It's that it just never happens that way. They always they always announce it way ahead of time. Um. So yeah, and you know, even if there's going to be new companions, I don't know, I don't know that we would get that information ahead of time either. Because they might not want to tip off what happens to Yaz and Dan, but yeah, we'll do a little bit more research into that as far as like when to expect it. But I, I, I imagine that it will probably be somewhat soon. Yeah, I mean, I it, it's hard to even believe that we are at that point now. I mean, we've talked about it for so long um, in regards to when Chibnall's last season would be, when uh, Whitaker's last season would be, and here we are. Like we are already at the point where we can start taking guesses or talking about, okay, when's the big reveal going to be, uh, for whoever is taking the role next. That's just, that's just blows my mind that we're already here. Yeah. Yeah. But she, I mean, we still have a, we're still in January and we know that she's going to be the doctor until next January. Yeah. So, or essentially next January. So, so we still have a year of, of Jodie Whittaker as the Doctor, just just not a lot of content. Right, exactly. But yeah, it'll be an exciting, it's always an exciting time, anticipation of the next Doctor. But we do have an episode to talk about here for for the uh, the New Year's special. And um, this one was called Eve of the Daleks, which that title almost makes you think that there's like a really important Dalek named Eve. <laughs> but that's not. It's the beginning. That's not what happened. Uh, there was no Dalek named Eve, but um, yeah, Daleks are Jodie Whittaker's. You know, that's the go-to for all her specials. Yeah, uh, and so they've far. had they've had that that fun play on um, titles for these episodes. So the the revolution of the Daleks, the Eve of the Daleks, and and the the one other one, and that was it. Resolution is, or re, or no resurrection? Maybe, maybe. Um, but anyways, the, the revolution, 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 resolution. I don't know. Uh, I think maybe (laughs) revolution. Yeah. 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 Revolution, (laughs) resolution, and then Eve of the Daleks. There you go. Um, yeah. So they've, they have pulled out the Daleks for all of her specials up to this point. Yeah. It's, it's kind of a given. I, I wonder if they'll, I'm guessing they'll break form, uh, with, you know, the next, the next one for sure. We kind of already been tipped off. What's the next? The next one's villains or monsters. Uh, but maybe they'll bring him back for her finale. It almost feels fitting at this point, you know, because it's kind of been the thing with her uh, for these specials for it to be Daleks. So they might have a big Dalek ending for her. Who? Maybe. I don't know how I feel about that, but I mean, I know how I feel about know. it, but, <laughs> but <laughs> I don't love the Daleks. Uh, this in this episode uh, definitely wasn't part of. I wasn't that excited about this episode because of it being Dalek centric. So, 
but let's talk. Let me. I'm gonna read the synopsis here real quick, just to set the stage. So this synopsis for this episode: ten minutes until midnight and the dawning of 2022, with the Doctor's TARDIS out of action, the Doctor, Yaz, and Dan are forced to wait in an ordinary self-storage facility with only one customer. However, Dalek executioners are on the hunt, and a time loop forces the trapped allies to keep reliving and dying minutes of 2021. What has gone wrong with time? What do the Daleks want? As New Year's Day ticks ever closer, the Doctor's tactics will be pushed to the limit to break the loop and dodge extermination on a night where old acquaintance can't be forgot. (laughs) Love that play on words right there. Look at them, those clever synopsis writers. (laughs) So yeah, that that kind of sets the stage. We get this one was was kind of a nice change of pace for me, as far as it just being more contained, because we we're just coming off of that crazy six episode season where it was just like, you know, tons of stuff thrown at us, and we talked about how so many different characters and some seemed to pay off. There were other things that kind of le- seemed left hanging. Was this character unnecessary? This episode really didn't give us much more than two guest stars and a bunch of Daleks. Right. And and not only was it contained as far as story elements go, it was very much contained even in regards to the setting and the different locations that they were in. Um, and I agree. I found, I found all of that to be very refreshing. It's a, it's a capsule episode. You didn't need to be, you didn't need to walk into it carrying all sorts of um, expectations or wonderings. You didn't have a lot of questions and really you walk away from it with very few questions and very few things that you're like, Oh, I wonder how that's going to play out. It happened. um, And depending on how you viewed it, it was either fun to watch. It was lackadaisical in its approach. However you want to, however you, you view it, it doesn't matter. It happened. And there it is. I think it's the first of three specials, so they could kind of do a throwaway a little bit. It was almost like they knew. It's like, okay, let's let's hit them with this crazy six-episode season. Then we'll do like a little bit of a more side story, fun, something a little more fun before we kind of get into the meat of you know the Doctor's den- demise, essentially, because that's what happens, right? When a Doctor regenerates, it usually means, well, always means because they die. Right. So we know that's coming. So there's probably going to be some more serious content coming our way. So maybe, you know, a little more lighthearted, fun episode. Although there were moments of intensity. Uh, but I think the actors they picked to play the guest stars were very comedic and lighthearted from my perspective. Yeah, almost almost to the point where like it felt action-packed, right? Because it all happens within a nine-minute span leading up to midnight. Is that correct? It's all nine minutes. And yet it seems like nine minutes didn't necessarily mean nine minutes at time. Like you or at, at, in that moment, you knew that there was a time crunch, but it seems like some points in time drug out. Um, so it was very fast paced and all of a sudden it would just dramatically slow down um, so that you could engage with the characters, which I enjoyed the characters that they in- introduced to an extent. I do have some thoughts on uh, Sarah specifically, but um, yeah, it, 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 it was an interesting pacing to it. Thoughts on Sarah actor wise or character wise, uh, character wise. Okay. Yeah. 
she was actually the one I recognized. Yes. Uh, I had seen her. She was in a movie with like Simon Pegg, I think, is what I recognized her from. And I couldn't oh. even tell you the movie because he, he did a, a kind of a, a run of romantic comedies that kind of all are similar. <laughs> uh, but my wife and I went on a bit of a Simon Pegg, you know, thing for for years. Like we'd always be like, oh, let's see if there's any fun Simon Pegg movies. And so yeah. I remember she she played the 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 female lead in one of one of his movies. And so I had recognized her right away when I saw her in the trailer. I did not recognize the the guy who played Nick. Yeah. I, I'm familiar with the actress because she was in a show with Paul Rudd called uh, Living With Yourself. Oh, um, is that the one where he... He has two alert. people? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yeah. I watched that too. So yeah, I just forgot that she was in that. But yeah, so definitely I'd seen something more recent than with her in it. Yeah. It's it, like her accent is, I mean, she has the exact same accent <laughs> in that show as well, which stuck out to me. And then I was like, oh, dang. I think that's the same person. Um, but yeah, the, the actor that plays Nick, um, yeah, nothing nothing about him stuck out to me at all, other than I really liked his character. Right, yeah, I think they both did a good job. And they felt like they, felt like they went out and got, you know, some, some good actors for this one. Not that they don't always, but, you know, sometimes, you know, they'll bring in guest stars and we're kind of like, eh, they did okay. But it, it seemed like because this was a special, they might... I think she's, you know, I couldn't tell you her name right off the top of my head. If I look, you know, obviously it's it's in our notes, but I couldn't tell you her name because I, I know her from, because I've seen her in things, but not right. well enough to say the actor's name. Um, but I think that, once again, probably in the UK, she's more notable. Uh, and she's notable enough to make it to some American television. Um so a show with Paul Rudd, I mean, he's, you know, A-list star, right? Right, <laughs> right, absolutely. So, so yeah, I think they went out and tried to get some more recognizable actors probably for this one. Yeah, and both of them, anytime they were on the screen, they filled the entire screen. Um, at least that that was my opinion, where um, you, you didn't find yourself pulled away when they were the focus of the dialogue or where when they were together, just primarily them on the screen. Both of them were very large in their character, and they they both grabbed your attention. So, yeah, I think they did a fantastic job of putting these two in in their roles. Um, they 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 did a a great job. They were the high point, one of the high points of the episode for me. Right. So, I think what I want to do with this one is kind of just run through the story. Yeah, it's pretty pretty linear. Although you, you called me out pre-show, time loops aren't really linear, but the story is linear. You know, it's happening, you know, the first time loop, second, third, you know, kind of go through it. Yeah. Uh, so just kind of run through the story and then we can kind of pause on whatever we think is interesting. But it starts out with Sarah, you know, she, she works at this facility. We find out later that she's at least a part owner, if not the owner, manager. They never really kind of cleared everything up on that, but it was like, it seemed like it was owned by her family. Right. It was, it was a little confusing. Like, uncle died, she inherited it, but then we have this Jeff character that gets brought up a ton of times, and we never know who this extremely interesting character is. Um, it's never really clarified his role in all of everything, but yeah, it, it's kind of her facility for some reason. Right, yeah. So she, she owns it, but Jeff, maybe Jeff's just the manager that she hired that never shows up on, on New Year's Eve. But uh, 
So we get introduction to Sarah right away, and we get a sense of her character right away too. Yeah, you know they they kind of have the angry phone conversation, and then she meets or Nick comes in, and then she kind of has a back and forth with him where you kind of all right off the bat you kind of feel like wow Sarah's kind of mean, yep, and I feel bad for Nick, right? Like that's <laughs> it kind of sets the tone right away. Yeah, Sarah is incredibly cruel um, in pretty much every interaction, and Nick just seems endearingly socially awkward. Like there's something about him from the very get go where it's like your interactions are, are kind of strange, but I immediately like you as an individual. Right. I don't know if I immediately liked him because he was kind of, <laughs> he was definitely given off those kind of, I mean, she, she says like he's weird or he's stalkery or he's creepy, different terms that were used to describe him throughout the episode. And like, yeah. I got those vibes, you know, I could see why, because he was, he was kind of, you know, he shows up there, you know, we find out later, you know, basically he's coming there just to see her, you know. Right. So it is kind of creepy. He kind of, he's he was definitely a nice character, and I did, you know, ultimately like the character, but there was a part of it was like, I could see why people might be put off by, by him a bit. <laughs> I I mean, the, the minute where she's like, where he's like, can you remind me of the things that I'm not allowed to store? <laughs> That like that sold me, and then the minute that he says "won't be long, see you next year," and she's like, "You've been practicing that, haven't you?" And like, just that sinking look that he gets on his face, and he's like, "Yes." It's like I I don't know. I immediately identify with that character where it's like, "Oh, you thought that was gonna be funny, and it just did not work out at all." And now you feel awkward, and you're just gonna wander up those stairs and think about that for the rest of the night. Um, Nick Nick is my dude. Nick Dif- is my dude. Different personality types. She definitely seemed like the type that wanted to be out partying but couldn't Yes. Be, whereas he was more than happy to not be out partying. Yep. Uh, she obviously has a ton of friends because her phone was just going off nonstop. I don't, you know, I don't know that even if I turn my alert on on my phone, you know, I might hear an audible ding like, you know, maybe six or seven times in a day. <laughs> <laughs> Usually my wife, you know, like... This, you know, Sarah had, hers was just going off like nonstop. So she definitely had a lot going on there uh, as far as what she was missing out on. Right, right. Uh, did you get the sense that he was hoping she would play Monopoly with him? Like, I I kind of thought maybe that was his whole plan. Was like, I, I'm going to bring this board game, you know, show it to her, make a comment about it. Maybe, you know, we're both stuck here. Why not we play Monopoly together? There was a moment where I kind of maybe expected that um but he's he's he was just an interesting dude yeah interesting dude uh so we get the you know jump over to the doctor and the companions they're in the tardis this is kind of post or is post flux and the doctor's planning to reset the tardis yeah uh you know so there is a connection you know we had talked about oh i wonder if there's going to be overflow from the flux stuff into the specials I would say it's very minimal. They mention it like, okay, the effect of the flux is why they have to reset the TARDIS. But other than that, there wasn't like, it's not like Carbonista or Vinder show up or anything like that. Right. It's it's definitely a a very standalone story where there could have been any number of reasons why she was resetting the TARDIS. It just happened to be, you know, convenient that the flux just happened. Right. And it, it, kind of closes up one of those loose ends from the previous storyline where it was like, okay, the TARDIS was essentially falling apart. 
I guess it's all right now. Well, this this resolves that. It's not all right. There's still doors everywhere. It seems to be falling apart on the inside still to some extent. So she has to reset it. Thanks for tying up that loose end for us. Right. And I guess because of the reset, they have to leave the TARDIS. They're not sure how long it's going to take. And that's why the doctor's like, all right, well, we're going to go to this like really nice beach planet so we can kind of go on vacation while we're waiting for this to reset. <laughs> and anytime the doctor promises right. a very pleasant, nice beach vacation, guaranteed it's not happening. Nope. You end up in Manchester. You end up in Manchester. Or you end up on some like creepy space tram where murders are taking place. I mean, it could be in any number of things that happen when you're promised a beach vacation. Right. Um, it's interesting to me. This is the American in me. But the kind of rivalry in, in the UK between these cities, always I always find it funny, you know, because they're like both Yaz and Dan are like annoyed that they're in Manchester, <laughs> you know, because yeah. they, you know, they're from Liverpool and what? Where's Sheffield. Yaz Sheffield. So, you know, so he, he already doesn't, the fact that she's from Sheffield and he's from Liverpool already annoys them two about each other. And now they're in Manchester, which is like another place that neither of them like. I guess it's probably all connected to like football clubs in the UK, like, you know, because the different teams, you know, and you, you root for the different teams. It'd be like if you're a big, you know, Philadelphia Eagles fan and you go to Dallas, Texas, right? Like right. You, yep. you know, you, the Cowboys fans are going to annoy you. I and mean, I guess maybe that's probably what the connection is, but it's just funny to me. There's that initial like, oh, we're in Manchester. Ugh, ugh. You know, <laughs> yeah. is, there, is there any city in the U.S. where if you landed in it, you would be annoyed by it? Oh, dang. Yeah, there's there's a couple, but that's probably not to the extent where Dan is saying of all places. Like, it seems like he would rather land back on, I don't know, back in, back with Jericho and have to spend the next two years wandering around trying to figure things out. Like, he, he would rather do that than land in Manchester. Right, like Indiana Jones, why did it have to be snakes? Right. It's like, why did it have to be Manchester? Right. So I just I always find that funny because it's it seems to be an ongoing. This isn't the first time in Doctor Who that they've kind of had that like, oh, you're from this city. Like I now I think less of you. You know, um, I guess maybe there's that vibe in the U.S. with certain cities. I don't know. I, it's probably not as strong because we have so many cities, you know, across right. this huge you know continent. Whereas there's there's are a little tighter. Right. There, there's definitely more of a rivalry there, even when it comes to football. I don't think we have quite the uh, the intense rivalries that you would find no. when it comes to football clubs in the UK. No, I don't think so. No, I've seen I've seen some of those games on TV and like the intensity of the fans. I'm like, oh, my gosh, oh, yeah. I, I'd almost be afraid to be in that. I definitely would never go to a game in the wrong colors. Right. <laughs> you know, I would be undercover like, <laughs> yep. if I was rooting for the other team, although my brother is a huge uh, Manchester United fan, so he he always wants to. I don't have a, a like a a team over there that I root for, but my brother does, and so he's like, we should go to Manchester. So so maybe someday I'll go over there. New Year's Day. I just you won't... got you got to go on New Year's Eve. That's what it is. Yeah, I just won't tell Dan. You know, <laughs> he would lose respect for me. So, um, but yeah, we a little little uh, sidetrack there, but uh, back to the show. Uh, where did it, oh yeah, so, so I guess Nick, 
Nick goes to his storage unit. Oh, no, no, no. Let's not forget this. The TARDIS starts, like, they leave the TARDIS, and the TARDIS starts to get these cracks on the outside. Yeah. They do a super slow-mo run outside out of the TARDIS for dramatic effects, and then the TARDIS is starting to break apart on the outside as it's resetting. And then the doctor says, oh, I've never had to reset it before, so she didn't know if that was normal. <laughs> Which it kind of surprises me. I'm thinking, in in the thousands of years that you've been the doctor, you've never had to do this? Right. I mean, I, I guess it's always reset itself. Um, yeah, because it definitely had some resets. Yeah. yeah. The doctor's just not usually the one to kick it off on purpose. Right. Uh, but yeah, the, the cracking on the outside was something that seemed to kind of surprise her. Um, but Nick goes to his storage unit. You see all the stuff in there. You don't really know why it's there yet. And then he's the first one to run into a Dalek. And the Dalek kills him. And then they go back to Sarah. This sets up like kind of future story stuff, but her mom calls her. Yeah. Four minutes before midnight. Um, and the doctor, find, they find Nick's body. This is the part where the doctor, because Dan has never seen a Dalek before, right? Or I guess, right. I guess he was See, around when Dalek stuff was happening, but he's never been like in close proximity to a Dalek. Right, and that's the that was the the kicker, right? Because that did give me pause when I was watching this the first time, where it was like, wait, wait, wait a second, like that was a pretty big focus of the final episode of the Flux. But yeah, I don't. Dan never came face to face with him. Yeah, because he's like, what's a Dalek? Right. And then the doctor says they're the deadliest killing machine in the universe. And then I was thinking, are they though? <laughs> <laughs> when they can hit you, they are very effective. It's almost like the doctor's trying to convince people that the Daleks are still really cool. Like they're intimidating guys. Don't forget. But they've ruined that. The Daleks never win. <laughs> they, they never win. And honestly, like in this episode, I was very concerned about their accuracy. <laughs> they did there was definitely a couple times where had they been more on target they would have completely ruined the plans of the doctor and and they would have all been dead oh absolutely when dan can dance circles around them and they cannot hit dan that they're not all that frightening they're like, undermining it they're undermining the daleks in this yeah show. You know, i mean they, their turn radius is terrible if they want us to think they're intimidating then they they really need to have an episode where the daleks are just unstoppable yeah, you know, and then to really because they did, they did introduce kind of the idea. I guess these were like special kinds of Daleks, the Executioner Daleks. Yeah, with their Gatling gun style. Yeah, so they did have the cooler sticks. gun. They did have a, a cooler look about them. I'll give them that. Uh, and they were, I mean, they were killing people, but they just you kind of always knew. Okay, the whole time loop thing. So every time someone got killed, you kind of knew it didn't really matter. Right. So that took away from the threat a little bit. But, you know, in the end, they still, they're still they still Daleks, and they still are easily kind of outsmarted, even though it was a bit more of a challenge this time for the Doctor. Right. The, be, be, because they make a very big point throughout the episode to let you know the Daleks are learning. They're adjusting. So, like, the very first thing that the, the Doctor tries to do, because Nick dies, then Sarah dies, and then the Doctor finds them both, and tries to uh, basically neutralize the gun stick of the Dalek and it works for a second and then it stops working and the Daleks make a big or the Dalek makes a big point about their learning. 
um, which is the theme of the entire episode of <laughs> the doctor and her gang trying to outsmart the Daleks as they're learning. Right. I guess the doctor's used to, you know, she's in the past been able to neutralize their weapons with the Sonic and they've figured out a way to stop that. Right. Which makes them a little bit more threatening this time around. And the doctor is killed because of that, you know, right in the, at the end of the first loop, her and her companions are all killed and it surprises her. So she didn't know at that point that they were in a time loop. So that was a moment where the doctor probably thought, Oh, this is how it's over. You know? Yeah. I'm about to, you know, I'm dead. <laughs> Which is why she says not like this, right? Like she was just told that her time is coming to an end. And then what is it like a week later, according to Dan, um, <laughs> this happens and she's like, Oh shoot, not this way. Don't let it. Don't let this happen. Not some silly random Dalek. <laughs> you know, it's got to be a bigger deal than that. But yeah, so she, so they, this is where they kind of introduce the time loop. Um, they shoot us back to Sarah and Nick in the lobby, and we're starting a little bit later. So we don't get Sarah by herself on the phone. You know, we don't see kind of the early conversation with her and Nick. He jumps right to the part where he's kind of, I think he's already at the part where he's got the, the, the board game out. Yeah. Yeah, and then they kind of—they're both a little confused because they're—you can tell—they're still going through the motions of what they did before, but they're kind of like, "Wait, something's not right." Yeah, I—I I appreciated, like, I appreciated the fact that if we're going through a time loop, to add that nuance to it, where we come to find out that it progresses forward a minute each time the loop uh, restarts, and not only does it restart a minute. Um, it's not a pure Groundhog's Day scenario where there's only one person that remembers what happens. It's pretty much everybody that's involved in the time loop knows what happened previously. So you have these moments of realization, especially strong with Nick and Sarah as they're like, we're not familiar as they're not familiar with this. So they're like, this is really strange. Something's off here now with the doctor Yaz and Dan, because they're familiar with all sorts of strange stuff, the fact that it's repeating doesn't catch them totally off guard. Right. They kind of have a moment of they come out of the TARDIS and then Dan's like, does anybody have a proper deja vu, I think is what he says. Yeah. Uh, and then Yaz immediately says, weren't we just killed by a Dalek or weren't we just exterminated? So they they quickly realize, oh, yeah, we already did this. And then they jump to action. They're like, oh, we can, because they are, they found Nick's body before, so they know if they if they run directly to that place, they might be able to save him this time. But Nick, he also remembers it, and decides to run to the lobby to save Sarah. <laughs> and Sarah, once she remembers, she decides to try to save herself. Yep. Uh, and you know, just kind of go out the front door, which she realizes is now blocked with a force field. Yes. And she, I guess her plan is she's going to try to go to Jeff's storage unit because she thinks there might be some sort of a weapon there. Yeah. Again, but, Jeff is an interesting character. I want to know more about Jeff. Right. Yeah. Um, so then what happens then? I guess, I guess Nick makes it to the lobby, but then because Sarah's not there, he ends up getting killed right away. Right. Exactly. So he, he runs down and spots that Sarah's running somewhere else and he just assumes that she's gonna she's running to save him which isn't at all what's 
happening. Um, so Nick doesn't make it very long. He gets exterminated. Sarah makes it to the storage unit. Um, and we see all sorts of strange things that Jeff has been storing, um, only to then have, uh, the doctor and Yaz and they all get exterminated again. Right. Yeah. So they go, they go to the lobby, they get killed there. She gets killed in the storage unit or near the storage unit. And she seems surprised because she, I think she thought, oh, because I did something different, I'm, I'm going to. I'm going to survive, but then she still ends up getting killed. Sarah does. Yes. Um, and then, yeah, the the uh, the doctor and crew also get killed in the lobby. Um, and th- that's the point where the Dalek mentions to the doctor that there was a time disruption and that their mission is, you know, hasn't failed yet because... They the time disruption happened, but they still were able to adjust, and now they're going to kill her. Right. So at this point, I think all characters involved don't realize <laughs> that they haven't figured it out. I guess is how much more of this time loop stuff's going to happen. So then we jump to the third time. I, I've I've marked this in the notes. So this is the third instance of a of a, a new time jump. Um, so now we have Sarah in the lobby. She sees the Dalek on the camera this time, and then she kind of just runs off. And then the, the Doctor and crew are, you know, back at the TARDIS. And I found this was probably the funniest part of the episode to me was when Yaz and the Doctor both say time loop and Dan says Groundhog Day <laughs> all at the same time. Yes. It's the different mentalities of, like, you know, Yaz and the Doctor having done this more and kind of, like, you know, calling it what it is and and then dan's just like oh, making a pop culture reference <laughs> i mean honestly though it is a groundhog day scenario like i would totally call it groundhog day and not time loop oh yeah absolutely because that's exactly what this is it's a different you know anytime you have a story like this i think that's probably the the most iconic movie that's used this type of de- storytelling device oh yeah absolutely so yeah, it's it definitely comes to mind. So in this one, Sarah and Nick run into each other and they're kinda this is the first time that they've, I guess, seen each other since this started happening. So they're just like, I've been, you know, this robot's trying to kill me and oh yeah, I got killed by a robot too. Um and then they also they get attacked again, but they at this time they have a chance to hide and they hide in the storage room. So it's Nick's storage room, and this is where you kind of get introduced to the idea of why he's storing stuff here. <laughs> and this is where like the creepy part comes in, where it was almost like they they overdid it a little bit. If they wanted me to like this character, <laughs> oh come on! I mean, how many items were in that room? There were a lot. There were a lot of items. And he's in the the explanation is that he these are all items from ex girlfriends, who I guess he thinks you know the right thing is to keep the item just in case the ex girlfriend ever wants the item back. Right, right. So again, which, so, socially awkward. Like that's... yeah, but I mean that's like something where you have a, maybe a a couple items in a closet at your house. <laughs> he you he know? wanted them out of out of eyesight. He didn't want them around. Not like hundreds of items. <laughs> I don't know if there was hundreds. It looked like there were. 
See, know. they they definitely played it up for effect though, because as they they realize how strange, creepy, odd, awkward this behavior is, which is why they call out the fact like all of them are still alive, right? And which which Nick responds to, oh, uh, of course, because it, it is odd and it is something that you would see in like one of those horror movies, serial killer type of thing, keeping like little mementos from everybody neatly sorted, spread out in a storage room. Um, it's it's weird, but but I think he has good intentions. I, I, I think that was ultimately what they were trying to portray with his character. That although it came across as a bit creepy, that it's okay because he's he's a super nice guy. But I think they overdid it for my personal taste, you know, in the <laughs> character because it did make me think, well, that's a, that's a pretty big red flag for <laughs> for a person um, in that they keep mementos from people that they had past relationships with. So it I it was it was done in a in a humorous way and I, you know it's it is whatever but there was definitely that kind of lingering in my brain throughout the episode with this character that was like oh that's the one red flag everything else I like about him but that whole like storage thing was definitely kind of creepy well Sarah definitely did not think it was um okay because this is when she launches into her tirade which essentially cements Sarah as the least likable character that in my opinion has been on doctor who in a a while while. yeah in a while like she she goes she goes on a tirade it's bit like dan she calls him weird and dan's like that's a bit harsh and then she's a bit harsh and then he comes here weird enough by himself do all this stuff he's weird and then she just goes on and on because he's the reason that she's trapped there she wasn't supposed to be there which then kind of pushes Nick a little too far. Yeah, pushes him out the door. Yeah, essentially he he had a bit of a I feel sorry for myself moment. You know, maybe he thought, well, I'm probably you know I'm kind of figuring out this time loop thing. Maybe I'll just walk out there and make a point. But uh, <laughs> his point was well received. I think she, I think it changed. That's probably the moment that Sarah's outlook on him changed, because, you know up to this point he's just some guy you know he's some guy that comes in that you know is a client of hers she doesn't necessarily have any kind of connection with him and she kind of finds him annoying and now she has even more reason to not like him because he's kind of creepy with all this stuff and she has no problem yelling at him and being mean to him and but in his mind he does have a connection with her because he's kind of had his you know he, he likes her he admits it later in the show that he kind of had a crush on her And so he, you know, obviously has a much more emotional impact because of this conversation than she would. And, you know, he kind of walks out there, I guess you could say sacrifices himself, but I don't think he really thought by him going out there, he was going to save them. Uh, Yeah, I mean, he, he definitely tried to convince the Daleks, like, just take me. I, he, he, he didn't understand what's going on in the situation. He doesn't know who the Daleks are. I don't know why he thought that he would be sufficient for the Daleks. Um, That's why true. he thought that would work, but he did do the whole like take me, let them go, whatever situation, and that just doesn't work. Right. Yeah, and I, I guess that's true. He had good intentions. Like maybe he did think that he could go out there because he doesn't have experience with the Daleks. So maybe he thought, okay, I can go out here, I can reason with them, and maybe I can save everyone. So, but Sarah seemed to be like 
you know, right after it happened, she's like, oh my goodness, like he went out there, you know, for us, like, you know, he did that as, as he sacrificed himself. So I think it changed the way that she saw him. Yeah. Which was good. Good for him. Right. He, he, yeah. He, he made his move and it impressed her. So, um, and then the doctor kind of throughout this is trying to figure out a way out of the situation and realizes like they're not going to get out of it, you know, this no. time. And yep. so she's like, all right, let's have a kind of a plan for the next time because they know now because of something that Sarah said that Jeff has stuff on a different floor. And so the doctor's like, all right, we're, we're going to die anyway. So let's, when we do, let's all convene on the fifth floor. And so we can go get some of this, you know, see if we can find some weapons. Yeah. Again, Sarah might have changed in regards to her relationship with Nick or how she viewed Nick. But this again is like a total like loser move on her part. Cause she's already been up to Jeff's storage unit. She already knows there's nothing up there of worth. And yet she's like, Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Up on the, the fifth floor, there's, there's something you should go look at. Knowing full well, there's nothing up there for the doctor to to take a look at. Ah, see, I didn't pick up on that. I thought she was actually trying to be helpful. No, she's just trying to send them all upstairs so she can run downstairs. Ah, okay. Yeah, she's definitely, I mean, she is selfish throughout the episode, for sure. She's definitely uh, out for herself to an extent. I, I think at this point she, she just met the doctor. The doctor kind of... I don't know why, but, you know, she came in saying, oh, we're like, you know, whatever, these inspectors or something. I don't know why she felt like she needed to have some sort of ruse at that point. Like, you know, yeah. you got you got Daleks running around killing people at that point just to be like, hey, I'm I'm the doctor. Let's I'm going to help you get out of this. Um, but I guess from Sarah's perspective, these strangers come in. They mean nothing to her. If anything, they're, they're just kind of slowing her down and they're kind of annoying and she doesn't see the value in them. So her self-preservation is kicking in and saying, all right. You know, I'm still going to be kind of trying to do this on my own. But she does seem to have at least the desire to save Nick in the next time around. Right, right. So they do they do get killed. Now we're jumped to the fourth time this is happening. A doctor sticks to plan with her crew. They run to the fifth floor. Um, Sarah's in the lobby. She runs away. But we don't really know where she's going right away. Um. And so at this point, the doctor's starting to figure out, okay, if we can get clear of the building by midnight, uh, when when midnight strikes, then she thinks that that's going to be the way for them to get out of this loop, which which ultimately becomes true. That is what they what they should be trying to do. Um, but they realize that now there's more than one Dalek. Yeah, the Daleks are learning. There's too many people. You're going to need some backup. Yeah, and so. The plan for them to all meet on the fifth floor kind of falls apart right away because Sarah and Nick don't make it there. And Dan is like, I'm going to go kind of act as a decoy. So I'm going to go confront the Dalek. No, And he even says, like, hopefully you guys get through this so I can come back because he knows he's going to, to die. Yeah, I'm still trying to piece together that logic because it's like, okay, so if they don't make it through it, time loop. Dan's back. If they do make it through it, though, the time loop stops and Dan's dead for good, right? Like, well, that's I think was Dan's. I think his thought was that they wouldn't make it this time. Okay. That he would go and 
I guess distract the Dalek long enough to give the Doctor more time to make a plan? Or to continue a plan? Uh, but yeah, because he, he, he does say in the dialogue, I don't have the dialogue up, but he does say something like, I hope... I don't forget what he says. Like, if you don't make it, I'll come back or something. Yeah, yeah, he yeah. does make us. He does make some some line that indicates that he's thinking he he probably is still going to come back. Right, and, and he definitely is like when he does come back, he's like, "Oh, I'm back!" Like it, it worked out. Right. Uh, Sarah is like she's done with the doctor, and then she just finds Nick, and she already knows kind of how to get out of there, another exit. So she's like, "All right, come with me. The others will be fine." They jump to Dan. Dan's like razzing the Dalek. Uh, kind of a fun scene, right? The Dalek and, and Dan kind of sparring and Dan's kind of acting like he thinks the Dalek works there. And, you know, it was, it was fun. It was typical kind of classic Dan. Oh, yeah, absolutely. But this is also the spot where Dan basically just like walks circles around the Dalek and the Dalek can't hit him. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Uh, <laughs> he does mention that the Dalek's voice is grating, <laughs> which, yes. I, which I agree with. Yeah. Uh, but then the Dalek does kill him. Yes, because Dan like backs up. I don't know why Dan backed up. Like, again, he could have just continued to walk around the Dalek and it would have been fine. Yeah, right. Because we've seen them basically. Even if the Dalek appears right next to them, they tend to have the ability to kind of like outmaneuver a Dalek and run out of the room. So, yeah, I'm not sure exactly what Dan's whole plan was here. Because you would think that he could have just gone down there to scout it out, but still found a way out of there. Right, right. But I don't it's it served the story better, I guess, at this point for him to die. Yeah. Yeah. Uh Sarah and Nick have made it to the basement. They find the TARDIS. First time the, of them seeing the TARDIS. They end up hiding from the Dalek there, and that's where they have a chance to kind of talk. Right. Um, so they have a little bit of a heart to heart where she kind of admits to him that, you know she appreciates that he tried to save her, but she had no intentions of saving him. Uh, and nick takes it very well yeah he seems i mean he definitely has a disappointment you know kind of he's still kind of burnt from from her early comments and isn't hasn't come all the way around where he's like forgiven her yet so right you, you can tell he's still a little he's 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 still stinging from it um and then the doctor and yaz are looking through i guess they they're on the fifth floor uh looking through some of the stuff that jeff had also kind of comedic, I guess. They f they find like the cans of beans and his apartment, I guess, stuff like that. Yeah, his <laughs> the beans, the apartment, the stuffed uh, taxidermied animals and like the party room. All very strange stuff. I need to know who Jeff is. <laughs> Wasn't there cuz there was like explosive type stuff, right? Like yeah, I didn't know if that was like a brew, like he was he had kegs and brewing stuff. I was trying to figure out what exactly that was, but he did have things that, um, if set fire to, <laughs> will be explosive and potentially devastating. Right. It was kind of the whole point of him asking for that list when he first meets her at the desk, because they because we know all the things that you're not supposed right. to have. Yes. Then they show that Jeff has all those things. Yes. You know, pretty much everything you're not allowed to have. So it, it, there was purpose to that dialogue at the beginning. Um. So, yeah. So this is the point also where Nick admits that he had a crush on Sarah. Uh, she's, she definitely seems to be coming around on him. 
as a character, but still kind of annoyed by the fact that he had a crush on her for three years. And she says, <laughs> I think she calls him stalkery, but then he's like, oh, I think it's more shyness. Yeah. Kind of defends himself a little bit. Um, and then he just kind of out of nowhere gets shot by, by a Dalek right in front of her. It was kind of sad. Yeah. She seems to be bothered by it at this point. And then she also gets killed pretty quickly. Uh, and then Doctor and Yaz, they're kind of doing their thing. Um, and then they get killed too. <laughs> so, yep. fifth time. Reset. Yeah, we get back to the back to the reset. And they get shorter, you know, every time. So, uh, now they're... Now Dan is back, so he's happy about that. And the, he says, you know, like, oh, I'm back. And the doctor's like, don't get cocky. Like, he did something <laughs> you know, uh, to earn it. But... The doctor does confront Sarah about like, hey, you know, last time around you were supposed to meet us on the fifth floor. You didn't follow the plan. And they kind of go back and forth. Like, I guess because the doctor hasn't established herself as like that kind of character where, you know, she shows up and she knows exactly what to do. And Sarah doesn't have that respect for her by any means. Where in past, you know, stories with the doctor, this version and other versions, you know, you kind of have, they kind of command the room a bit quicker. Uh, but yeah, Sarah's just not having it. She's just like, who are you to tell me, you know, your plan is just as bad as mine, you know, that yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. And, and that's pretty much it. Like there is no, there's nothing that the doctor has done that proves that she should be the one that, that makes the decision. Like she has died just as often as Sarah has died. Um, so why does Sarah need to follow her? It's just interesting, right? Because we tip, we are so used to the doctor jumping into situations and whether or not it, it's the situation of like the most clever person in the room, whether or not it's that situation, everybody does tend to give way to the doctor, even Whitaker's doctor. Um, so it, it, it is an interesting dynamic where like, this is the first character who, extremely unlikable, but she also is, is very set against the doctor and doing whatever the doctor wants. Right. Right. And this is also the time where Nick, where he ends up facing off against two Daleks in the hallway this time. And he does the whole, like, you know, he ducks and they shoot each other, <laughs> which is a cool move. And the doctor finds him and she's like, what happened? And he's like, Oh, you know, you know, I had this great strategy and a da da da. And then she's like, did you duck? <laughs> and he's like, yeah, I ducked, which was also, a, I, I, I appreciated that moment. Yeah. And the fact that she like high fives him. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's probably because she's like, yeah, I've used that before. I've done yeah, that. Yeah. Pretty much. <laughs> but he's, he's pretty proud of himself and yeah, I'll give it to him. It was a cool moment. He, he definitely, he took out two Daleks on his own, you know, not a lot of humans out there, especially on their first go around, uh, can claim that. Right. I mean, it wasn't his first go round, though. Right. Uh, first, first story. There you uh, go. He's he's only go. how many minutes into this story? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just happens to be restarting. Uh, but yeah, so that was that was kind of a cool move on his part. It made me like him more. Yeah, especially the way that he celebrates. It was it was a fun moment. And then this is the one. This is kind of the part of the story where the doctor starts to come up with a more detailed plan. Like, all right, we we need to destroy the Daleks. Not only do we need to get out of the building to avoid the time loop, but we also need to take out the Daleks on our way out. So she's kind of like, you know, her plan is like, we're going to blow this place up. 
which Sarah is kind of like, uh, okay. <laughs> you know, you can tell she doesn't necessarily love the idea, but she, at this point, I think a little bit more willing to go along with it. Yeah. So, so the doctor knows once again, they're not going to accomplish the plan on this, this go around. So she, they, they, they all get killed. Yeah, it's one of those instances where it's like, okay, bring the team together, have a good huddle, understand that you have, what is it, three more <laughs> chances to do this right, and you're going to have to use one of those just purely to distract the Daleks. Um, give them something to base their assumptions on incorrectly. Right, yeah, they're, I think they're like four more at this point. So the plan is... They're going to try to get some explosives. Uh, the doctor know, has something she can do with the Sonic that's going to like kind of trick the Dalek sensors to make them think people <laughs> are in different places. Yes. One of those things that they didn't really explain it very well, but they just said it can ha- it's going to happen that way. So that's It's a party point. trick. Right. The doctor can do this, and for whatever reason, she needed a phone, a phone call to make it work. Which I totally misunderstood what she was going to do with that, but we can we can cover it when we get there. Yeah, there's yeah, they kind of it pops up later, so we can maybe share confusion there because I think I was kind of confused too. But but yeah, so they they get killed, jump into the sixth time. Sarah's in the lobby, she runs to the elevator, but then the Dalek breaks the elevator before she can go anywhere. Yeah, so. This is where it's like, okay, the Daleks learned, right? They yeah. knocked out the power, and pretty much everybody is helpless at that point, um, including the Doctor, Yes, and Dan. Like they are, they have very little they can do without having the power on. But that's the only time the Dalek does that. Like, no other instance do they knock out the power, and it seemed like such an effective strategy. True. Yeah, I mean, it kind of shows you the Daleks really aren't that good. You know, even <laughs> even in this episode where you're like, oh, they had moments of like, oh, crap, they did kind of figure it out. Or like, you know, they had a big plan here. And then the Daleks on the sixth go round, like shut it down right away. Like they killed Sarah. They killed Nick. And, you know, eventually kill the others pretty quickly. Like, I don't have yeah. very many notes for this time around <laughs> because it happened pretty quick. So the Daleks were learning. So, they're you know, you start to think they're getting a little bit more intimidating, but. It's almost like they forgot some of their tricks and they forgot some of the things that they learned. Yeah. I mean, I guess one one thing to take in consideration is that time is moving faster now. So, like, maybe they didn't have time to knock out the power anymore um, because that was – they knocked out the power at 2356, so 1156, and then they don't do it 1157. So, I, I don't know. I'm just trying to figure out, like, it seemed like it – was so effective and then they just stopped yeah uh this is the time where doctor has a little bit of a confrontation with yaz she says uh you know i'm gonna go do this thing yaz is getting mad like why do you keep leaving us and then the doctor leaves anyways and then dan has that moment where he's like i guess he just kind of calls her out like hey you got feelings for the doctor i mean he didn't put that he didn't say it that way but that's basically what what happened um and they have a little bit of a heart to heart i will say that dan doesn't do this as well as like graham did 
<laughs> you know, it's a different kind of vibe with Dan, and it almost it didn't quite work for me. With like him being the type of person to give advice, yeah, it just felt a little out of character. But maybe there's just a softer side of Dan. Um, you know, he has had his own kind of relationship issues, and you know, he it, he was able to kind of share that where he's saying, "Hey, you know, sometimes you you don't want to wait too long, or you you got to just tell someone." Yeah. When you have feelings for them. So it's good advice. Um, but it's kind of, you know, going back to some of the other moments that we've seen in previous episodes between the doctor and Yaz were, you know, kind of the speculation of, okay, where is this going? And so it seems like they're still laying more groundwork for that. Yeah. I mean, it, it's something that's been talked about, speculated for a long time. Um, because of the long gaps in between series and uh, time off and what have you, this is something that has popped up all over the place. Um, so if if you're one of the fans that was expecting it, one of the fans that was looking for this to be something that is written into the story, this is absolutely the beginning of it. Um, Dan, Dan kind of leans on in this situation, the amount of time that him and Yaz spent traveling together. Um, something that's super easy to kind of just gloss over and forget, but the amount of time that they did spend together, it does kind of put Dan in that position, um, to be the one that kind of has this conversation with Yaz. And then the, the playful banter that they have back and forth where he's calling her Sheffield, like that is a a nickname that he gave her because of how close they are. Um, so although it does seem kind of off just because it's like Dan is kind of a goofy character, we have seen that he has like that soft heart, right? Like we saw him working at the uh, the food pantry in one of his first episodes. Like he is a tender hearted guy. Um, so it, it, it feels weird, but yet I still think it sticks for his relationship with Yaz, um, and then who he is, or at least who they've portrayed him to be in other episodes. Right. I think maybe the reason why it didn't work as well for me is because so much of their time together has been off screen. Right. So you haven't seen a lot of like kind of heart to heart moments between these two characters. Yeah. But yeah, I guess if you, if you take into into account like all the time that they've spent together off screen and how close they probably got in those years of travel, you know, and, and he's the only other person, you know, right. There isn't, you know, Graham's gone. Ryan's gone. You know, so he, there's no other person to have this conversation with her except for him. I mean, the, the one thing that you could say is like, how much time has Dan spent with Yaz and the doctor together? Like, does, does he actually know enough about how Yaz interacts with the, the doctor to kind of make this assumption, to take this leap? And I think the, the writers kind of answer that by Dan referencing, like, all the times he saw her watch the hologram. Like, for, how, what is it, two or four years? I, I always go back and forth whether it was two or four years, but whatever the time frame might be, I mean, Dan saw Yaz probably watch that hologram a ton. And... and you probably could pick up on the feeling or emotion. If someone is consistently pulling a, a picture out of their pocket to look at it, you know, there's a reason they're doing that. So um, a lot of their relationship is off screen, uh, Dan and Yaz's, and even a lot of Dan's um, visibility into that relationship with the doctor between the doctor and Yaz is off screen as well. Right. 
So in this time around, the docs do kill Yaz and Dan. <laughs> uh, they didn't do the duck move. Nope. So they got killed by a couple Daleks, and then the Dalek finds the Doctor as well. And this is, I think, the first time the Doctor kind of outlives everyone. Yeah. Uh, so she was kind of on her own for a little bit, and then she gets killed at the end. So now we jump into the seventh time. And they find the fireworks this time around. Um, and then the Doctor tells Yaz to go get the others, and then Yaz kind of snaps at her. Or no, she snaps at Yaz. <laughs> Right, because Yaz yeah. kind of questions it, and then she's yeah, like, Let's exactly. Go, you know, like, yeah. Um, so you kind of have that moment, and they they've definitely had these kind of moments throughout because Yaz, you know, she's still frustrated that the Doctor's hiding stuff, not telling her everything, and so there's there's this kind of frustration between these two characters. So you know, they're they're definitely still hinting at you know, there's going to be some sort of a moment between these two where they're going to have to have it out right like it's happening during the action uh where she's you know kind of doesn't have time for them to have that conversation but at some point they need they're going to have a heart to heart and talk through some of this stuff right and honestly the way that it's getting set up it's going to have to happen on screen right like this isn't going to be one of those things that's quietly resolved in between episodes um they've set it up enough now even within this last series that it has to be it has to happen yeah it's it's a it's going to be a plot point yeah if for no other reason to have um you know more emotional impact right when the doctor leaves you know it's we've seen it before with characters they have to say goodbye to the doctor and you know i think yaz is going to be the one that's going to be affected the most by it um i'm really i'm excited kind of where you know kind of the ultimate end to Jodie Whittaker's character and kind of who's still around to experience it and you know what that impact is, who's still like, are they going to carry those characters over with the new doctor or is it a, a full on refresh? Cause I think it would be very interesting to see maybe the doctor and Yaz have that conversation only to have like this emotional like rip apart of the doctor's now gone and this new version of the doctor's here. Do I still have the same feelings that that could be some really interesting storytelling at the beginning of the next doctor? Yeah. I mean, it would be very reminiscent of um, the Rose experiencing Eccleston to tenant or Clara experiencing Smith to Capaldi, right? Where it's like, these are two totally different people. Um, there was like some development of feelings that were there to begin with. And then it's like, oh, dang, totally different character now, totally different personality. There's that friction um, to see, to have that. I mean, it is being set up right now, right? Like we don't know whether Yaz is going to continue on with the next doctor um, or not, but this the table is being set for a very similar experience of, Probably a heart to heart, followed by a regeneration, followed by a, oh, dang, you're someone totally different because uh, the doctor hasn't explained regenerations to Yaz or Dan. Hasn't she? No. Like it, it's come up in passing, right? Like the idea, like I used to have a different face. Maybe I used to be um, <laughs> male gendered. Like there, there, there's been references to it, but 
has there ever been like this huge like this is what regenerations are yeah i, I don't remember it for yeah. sure uh so yeah you would almost hope that that's happened off screen like a little bit of a you know a 101 kind of <laughs> time lord 101 well Just like so, so it's not so shocking to them when it happens well, like so much of the, the, the stuff like, right. Like has been avoided. The doctor doesn't want to talk about anything mm -hmm. personal for herself. Like we, I, have we even had one of those, I have two heart conversations like, Oh, one of my hearts stopped. Like we, there, there are so many of those things that I'm having a hard time recollecting whether how much has this doctor really shared about herself right. with her companions. Like that's the whole point of, like that is a lot of the tension right now between the doctor and Yaz is Yaz wants to know more and the doctor refuses to tell anything. Right. Yeah. And with the, with the modern doctor series, they've definitely done it both ways. They've had the kind of carryover companions, but they've, they've also had the clean break. And I think right. it's kind of even, right? Like, so Eccleston, you know, Rose carried over with into tenant and then tenant, there was a clean break. So Smith got new companions. But then Smith carried over, or Clara carried over from Smith to Capaldi. Right. And then Capaldi, there was a clean break. Right. And new companions. So it's kind of like we're due for the carryover if they stayed in the pattern. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, and I don't, it's probably not an intentional pattern, but there is a bit of a pattern they, that they kind of do it both ways. And, you know, it does seem like maybe, and and Yaz, um, you know, in, in different interviews and stuff like that, they've kind of asked her about what she would feel like staying on, and she's kind of been pretty coy about it, and hasn't yeah. really, a lot of times, you know, actors will kind of like, be like, oh no, you know, I'm done, you know, this is my I'm, my last, you know, I'm leaving the same time as Jody is, that, that kind of thing, but she's kind of kept it open-ended that there is a possibility that that she could carry over. So I'm, if I'm guessing, if I'm like betting on it, I'm, I'm thinking she's sticking around. I mean, it is interesting when you say it like that, like, yes, uh, it, it has been a little bit more coy when it comes to her character. Um, Bradley, not Bradley Walsh. Goodness. Uh, Bishop, right? That's John Bishop, John Bishop. Like he's come out and flat out said, like, I would love to come back. Like he's, so he hasn't so, said no either. Right. Right. Like I, from the, maybe the one interview I've seen, it, it was like super positive. Hey, I'd love to have this experience again. Um, but it, it hasn't been as like, uh, wishy-washy, maybe if they'll let me, it's been like, heck yes, I would love to come back. So, um, there might be something to be said there with Mandip Gill, whether she's being intentionally wishy-washy because she knows more than what she's letting on. I think she does. I think she knows. If she's, I mean, she, I mean, of course she knows. They've recorded everything right already, right? Well, I think like, right. Yeah. They've, they've already filmed everything. So she knows if she survives it, but I guess, you know, depending on what they do with the next series, right. I, I don't think they've started filming that yet, but uh, unless she had a reason to think she's done. And I mean, it's not that far off. So the, if she's staying on with the show, I'm sure it's, the contracts have already been written up. So, so she, she knows if she's sticking around or not. Uh, but only time will tell for us. Uh, so yeah, jumping into, what do we say? Fireworks, Dan, talk to, Dan, talk to Yaz. Where are we at now? Um, 
Um, uh, Yaz goes upstairs to grab everybody. They come downstairs, and okay. yeah, Doctor's so... like, I have a plan. And they're like, yes. But the, the Dan, so now Dan has a conversation with the Doctor. Yes. Uh, when Yaz goes, the Yaz, the Doctor kind of snaps at Yaz. Yaz leaves. Dan's left alone with the Doctor. And then he kind of says, hey, you like you do know she has feelings for you, right? And the Doctor kind of plays dumb. Yeah. Uh, I don't know what you're talking about, Dan. And that's an interesting kind of moment, I thought, for the doctor to continue to, you know, kind of dodge these questions or not acknowledge things. It's definitely a character trait of this doctor, more so than other doctors. Denial? Yeah. Uh, so it was kind of an interesting interaction because now Dan's kind of the, he's kind of in the middle now. He's He's the one telling Yaz, like, hey, you should tell the doctor. And now he's talking to the doctor like, hey, you know, did you realize that Yaz has feelings for you? And the doctor never really says much other than like, I don't know what you're talking about. But then based on like her facial expressions, you kind of know that there is that realization. She's just not willing to say it. Right. And Dan's facial expressions tell you that he's extremely annoyed <laughs> at, at the doctor. Right. Yeah. So um, Sarah and Nick... They're like going and getting stuff and they had kind of have another little heart to heart talk. Yaz finds them like she was told to do. And then um, the doctor's kind of plan is like, they're going to do this like decoy plan. Um, so they'll have a little bit of an advantage the next time around. And they're killed again. <laughs> yes. Because they go downstairs. The doctor's like, Hey, we have a plan. Dogs show up. They die. Then they do the decoy plan. Um, for the eighth which, time. Which involves uh, Nick having, quote-unquote, therapy by having the Daleks blow up all his ex's stuff. So they are ex-terminated. Um, <laughs> that's, a, that's a joke. And then uh, they find the doctor and her crew sitting in Jeff's apartment eating beans and beef, whatever. Um, what's, and, the, what's the decoy here? I don't... I guess they're just trying to be in different places so the Daleks think that's where they're going to be next time. Right. That's the decoy because, like, they basically found all the fireworks. They're like, well, if the Daleks find us with all the fireworks, they're going to know this is the focal point of our plan. So let's just throw ourselves in all sorts of weird places. And then that's where the Daleks will look next because they think that's going to be that's, – that's the focus. Okay. Uh, which is interesting because the, the, the Doctor and her crew end up on the fifth floor – probably a room away from the room with all the explosive stuff. So it's not like they really distracted the Daleks from what one of their end goals was, but you know what? It, it It's fine. Yeah. And the decoy plan kind of didn't make a lot of sense to me. I felt like they weren't that good at decoys. <laughs> uh, and they're like, the time starts to get less believable that they're able oh, to yeah, accomplish absolutely. some of the stuff that they're able to accomplish in such a short amount of time. Um, you know, they all allow themselves to die in this decoy. Then knowing that this last ninth and final time that this is the real one and that they, um, if any of them end up dying during this time, they're, they're, they're not coming back. Right. They literally have one minute, the last time loop, one minute to yeah. do everything they need to do. That's kind of, I was kind of thinking like, did you need the decoy one? <laughs> like maybe use that one as your first your first shot at the real plan and if it doesn't work then do it you know give yourself a couple chances they really put all their eggs in one basket on that last one. Oh, absolutely absolutely um, 
you know, so Sarah does call her mom. This is the ninth and final time. Sarah calls her mom and says, like, hey, I need you to call me back with 10 seconds before midnight. So I guess that whole plan with the phone thing is still a go. Yeah. So basically, like, hey, mom, call me back in 50 seconds. Right. Uh, and then the doctor and Yaz take the elevator up to go get stuff, I think, to the same stuff that they needed to get to blow up. Yep. Yep. They only have 60 seconds. Yep. So this is, yeah, definitely hard to believe then because they'd take an elevator and get stuff and get back to the elevator. It's really timey-wimey at this point. Yeah, and she does make a comment, which I appreciate the writers saying, like, oh, we'd be really good at um, whatever <laughs> that game Supermarket sweep. Because yeah. yes. that's true. Like, the only way you could do it that fast is if you were just, like, an expert level, you know, getting stuff into a cart. Oh, absolutely. So they do kind of throw that line out there, which I appreciated. Um. They do all make it to the basement. That's where the fireworks are. Doctor does the sonic thing, which confuses the Daleks. Yep. Which was part of the plan. And the mom does call on time. She does. Which was very key, I guess, because then they, the Daleks, because they heard her voice, us, you know, were like, oh, there's a human. And then they shot at the phone, which happened to be attached to the explosives, which made the explosives blow up. And the doctor and everybody got out before the building came down. Yes. So. So the plan worked. Everybody lives. Everybody, everybody lives. lives, Rose. So. Uh, and then there's a nice little fireworks show at the end. Yep. Which fireworks I'm not sure show. how like fireworks shoot out out of rubble, <laughs> but you know, you just <laughs> go over it. it's, it's New Year's. It looked cool. And Jeff had a lot of fireworks. A he lot did. of fireworks. And we got a cameo. Uh, the guy kind of watching from afar, seeing the fireworks show. Um, was the same guy from the first episode of, of Jody Whitaker's run. Yeah, I... So, in my head... The guy killed uh, Tim Shaw. Tim, Tim Shaw. Yeah. In my head, I was like, oh, there's Jeff. Uh, like, that has to be Jeff. Right. And then it wasn't until, like... <laughs> reading through a few things i was like oh slightly disappointed that's just carl like carl from very first episode with tim shaw that's who that is um i was really hoping that was jeff i tried to remember because i forgot his name was carl and so then i was thinking oh maybe it is jeff and maybe that character's name was jeff you know and we just never put it together (laughs) but it would have been cool i think if like the whole time it was carl you know Oh, yeah, Carl, why didn't you come? Because you wouldn't have thought of that. Oh, no, no. And then at you all. see his face, and you're like, oh my gosh, Carl, we've known Carl the whole time. You know, that would have been <laughs> maybe a cool thing to do, but um, maybe they didn't want us to think that Carl was such a bad person and storing all this stuff. So, uh, yeah. But yeah, it was kind of, I actually like was happy to see his face. I was like, oh, yeah, I remember that guy. He was cool. <laughs> so. I totally had no idea who it was. But oh, really? You didn't recognize the- him? No, not at all. Now that I know who it is, I appreciate the cameo. I appreciate the effort. But, like, I literally had no idea who this guy was. And I had so convinced myself that I wanted to know who Jeff was that I was like, oh, that's Jeff. And I was yeah. wrong. Nope. So, and then we get a kind of a quick scene in the TARDIS. The TARDIS has now refreshed. It's nice and shiny new. Looks cool. It looks like it did. It's nothing new about it. But looked cool. But looks cool and looks put together. No more black goo. 
only one door so nothing it's how it should it was it was just the same and my i felt like there was maybe some new elements or something i don't i don't know i thought it was i thought it was whitaker's tardis it definitely looked like whitaker's tardis but i i don't know i you're probably right and you'd have to do some side-by-side comparisons but i thought maybe some of the wall panels in the back looked a little different or something like they they had kind of spiffed it up a bit it might be you might be i don't know spot on. i'm not just... gonna say i'm right because I, I honestly don't know but I, it's worth looking up later maybe to see if do a side by side and see if maybe they kind of upgraded it a bit um and they do have a kind of like a moment where you know yaz once again says oh you said that one thing what did you mean and the doctor's like oh i didn't mean anything you know she's still dodging yep. the questions so there's gonna be there's gonna be a moment where I don't know if it's going to be this next episode or the final or what, but her and Yaz are going to definitely have, have it out. Yeah. I mean, I, 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 I don't know. I, I guess another way that this could go is that Yaz gets so frustrated. She just leaves on her own accord. And then the doctor regenerates alone. Um, Ooh, tragic, because like tragic we, ending. I, right. I do like the tragic endings sometimes. Yeah. I just don't know how much more Yaz can take. <laughs> like she's, She's begging to just know more. And the doctor promised her that she was going to be totally honest with her. And she's not. She like, still she's not, yeah. still hiding everything. Um, so, yeah, it's it's going to be interesting to see what plays out. Right. And then we do get, you know, Sarah and Nick, if you were shipping them. <laughs> Sarah and Nick. They made it. They, they are now together. So his... Uh, his perseverance, I guess, paid off or they needed that. They needed something to happen to get them two together because otherwise they would, he would have just kept showing up every new year's and never really, you know, pursued it. But they, they needed the Dalek attack to, to kind of make them realize that they, uh, they wanted to be together. They, they needed the Dalek attack to uh, actually grow Sarah's heart so <laughs> that she's not just a total Grinch. Did you like her better by the end or were you still kind of like, Oh, Nick, you can do better. No, I she towards the end I felt like she was a different character. Um I mean not like literally how how much growth can she go through as a character within one episode. I feel like they resolved enough of her selfishness for me to feel comfortable with the relationship. Yeah, it I mean it made sense. I think that's what they were leading to throughout, right? You know, even exactly. Even in the very even in the previews, before I even started watching the episode, I'm like, okay, those two are going to end up together. Yep. You know, you kind of, they kind of telegraphed it a bit, but, but yeah, it worked. Uh, I liked both characters. I thought, you know, she had her flaws. He had, he had his flaws, but in the end they were interesting characters to watch fun, good actors. Um, I thought the episode overall was fine. It wasn't like, it's not gonna be one of my favorite Dr. Who specials. It was definitely better on, on a rewatch. I think the the whole time loop thing and kind of the plan of the doctor and everything, I was kind of, I had a hard time following it the first time around. It made a little bit more sense the second time around because I was taking notes and pausing and getting quotes written down and all of that stuff. So I, I was able to follow it a bit, a little bit more, but uh, yeah, it was, it was fine. It was another Jodie Whittaker Dalek episode. So like, I think that's the thing. Like, yes, it's not the the best special for Doctor Who that we've had. Um, 
it is the third New Year's Day special that we've had. And I might say it's the best. Oh, I guess the new, there was a end of time part two is on, was a New Year's special too, wasn't it? I was going to say it was the best New Year's special that we've had. Well, is it the best um, Jodie Whittaker special? And that, I think that's where I'm going to have to land. I think out of the three that we've had um, for, for Whittaker, this has been my favorite special of the three that we've gotten. I I really enjoyed this episode. I think primarily because it was so um, low-key. I liked the fact that I could sit down on my couch. After what we went through with the flux, I could sit down on my couch and just be like, it's a standalone episode of Doctor Who. Um, not that I don't love the interconnected stories. I absolutely love them. But I just needed something simple. I didn't need I didn't want to have something overly complex where I find myself picking it apart piece by piece trying to figure out all the connections and where things are going. I just wanted to enjoy an episode. And I enjoyed this episode. Um the characters were were good. Again, we mentioned it. Uh the actor and actress that played Nick and Sarah respectively very strong. Um I enjoyed the dynamic between the doctor and the companions. I don't feel like the companions were the central focus. I feel like the doctor had a significant amount of time um, compare or relatively speaking, the timing of it seemed off. Um, but in the moment of the action, I didn't care all that much. It was only when I was sitting back and thinking about it. It's like, yeah, that timing didn't make all that much sense. Um, but yeah. I enjoyed it overall. I enjoyed it. There were, a, there were a handful of things that, you know, time, the timey stuff that didn't make sense to me that I was like, I'm not even going to bring it up in the review because it's nitpicky. And I, I know we did that a lot with the flux. Yeah. And for this one, I was like, you know what? Focus more on the characters and the story and, you know, some of that stuff that you kind of just give it a pass, you know, so weren't even worth bringing up. Uh, but yeah, I think I'd agree with you. This is probably the best Jodie Whittaker special so far. I think the bar is pretty low for her specials. Unfortunately, <laughs> like I just, some of it's the fact I don't like Dalek. Some of it just really the Dalek episodes they did with her were just kind of bizarre. This one seemed a little bit more straightforward. Like these were just Daleks. You know, they were more kind of the traditional Dalek um, that you would expect. You know, not the the one episode where they had the one like swimming through the sewer and like controlling people's bodies and stuff. You know, right. Like, this, this wasn't a Dalek world domination. This was yeah. a Dalek kill the doctor in a yeah. single place. It felt, yeah, it felt a little bit more classic and I, I appreciated that. So it was, it was more enjoyable and yeah, it was, it was a fun little standalone episode, probably one that will be easy to rewatch because it doesn't have all the connections to other stuff that you need. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And, and I don't think whatever's coming next, you know, I don't think this connects into that or they're going to have any kind of reference back to that, you know, time loop or whatever. So, right. Yep. It's a, its own little contained episode and um, overall fun one. So did you watch the trailer? What's coming next? Did you see that? Yeah, I did. I did. Okay. Yeah. I, I watched it as well. I guess the, the big news is the, they're bringing back another classic monster that they haven't used before right which so. i mean for the brief second that they showed in the preview it it looks good i am really curious though the whole idea of like the um pirate queen and i mean my the the only reference that i have outside of reading different things would be pirates of the caribbean <laughs> um but 
the pirate i'm i'm just curious how they're going to fit any of the forward momentum of jody Whitaker's character into an episode that seems like it's I, I don't know it's historical and they're doing a big monster in it so it yeah it feels just... like it, it could be another kind of standalone right exactly yeah that's yeah. what that's kind of what i'm anticipating which then means that we're left with a single special to tackle the different things that we feel like needs to be resolved yeah right we'll see i don't know i wonder if maybe we don't get the big the kind of resolution we're expecting with you know some of the stuff i feel like maybe they think they've already resolved it Ooh. timeless child stuff and i don't know maybe that stuff doesn't really play into her ending as much as we think but i i mean who knows we kind of talked about it at the end of the flux where maybe the watch that she dropped into the center of the tardis they're literally going to leave it there for davies to pull out at some point in the future um, yeah i i think so that's my that's my guess is it doesn't come back into play until until later until whitaker's gone Either that or her or Whitaker's last episode is going to be like a feature length movie that they drop on us. Yeah, which actually I bet is is probably the case. I bet it will be kind of a double long, you know, it'll be like hour and a half at least, uh, if not two hours. Um, so, yeah, but yeah, two more two more stories with her. Yeah. And this one was fine. It wasn't, you know, didn't wasn't amazing, but it was kind of like the first of three. So. You know, we'll see what they have for us next, but lots of news coming, I'm sure. Yep, absolutely. All right, well, I think we're good to wrap this one up. Sounds good. All right, well, thank you, everyone, for uh, listening to this episode of Bad Wolf Radio. Uh, we really appreciate it, and you can find all of our episodes on iTunes or any of the podcatchers. I guess it's not iTunes anymore. Apple Podcasts. Uh, you can find us there you can also find us on our website Uh, we have our Facebook page thank you for everyone that participates in the group Uh, so you can check us out if you want to search for Bad Wolf Radio uh, group on Facebook and uh, join the crew and yeah until next time not trapped, never trapped you won't win, you never win that's a good one. I actually was going to use You Never Win as the title of this episode. Oh, shoot. I ruined it. You, uh, no, it's fine. We can use the same quote. Uh, that It's in the contention. I have that one, and then there's another one that I'm considering. So. I mean, she does go. I was I was kind of banking on you using something from her, like, rah-rah speech with everybody standing in a circle. Um, no, it was either going to be You Never Win or Did You Duck. Oh, <laughs> that's a good one. I like that one. I think maybe it's going to be Did You Duck. That'll be the... uh...